Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm your host, Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today, we are blessed again to have one of the most important voices in America when it comes to COVID-19. He's Dr. Peter McCullough, a deeply credentialed doctor who has been telling Americans most of what they are hearing in the mainstream media about COVID is wrong. He has a new book out that outlines the massive failures of the medical, tech, and media establishments in America when it comes to COVID-19. Doctor, welcome back. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming back on. So since we last had you on, you've been out there continuing to tell the truth, and you've been putting your, your thoughts and some of your findings in a new book. So tell us about the book. Yeah, I'm pleased to announce a new book. It's already hit number one uh, in three different categories on Amazon. I partnered up with true crime author and best-selling author John Leake. The title of the book is The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalizations and Deaths While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex. So uh, so what have you found that, uh, you know, since we last talked, we talked a lot about the Rogan interview and everything going viral and things like that. So um, in addition to what we talked about last time about the establishment, is there any anything surprising? I, I want to get to vaccines for kids and babies in a minute, but anything surprising that, uh, that we're going to find in, in this in this latest uh, update on, on what you've been uh, finding out there? You know, we've, uh, we're into thir- three years of presenting data to Americans, and, you know, there are probably 250,000 peer-reviewed papers on the infection. Uh, what the book does, it's written as a very readable, fun narrative. It's the genre of nonfiction, true crime, and it is the story about the discovery of the treatment of the illness, how uh, myself and others worked in collaboration Uh, both together, many groups separately, we conversed on the same ideas that the condition was treatable and and how the shock that uh, was felt when we realized that our most trusted government and pharmaceutical uh, entities were actively blocking early treatment. They were actually uh, prolonging the pandemic. They were actually causing suffering, fear, hospitalization, and death. It's just such a shocking revelation. Who's involved? Why did the White House contact me? Why uh, why did I get called to the U.S. Senate? Uh, how did I set all records on Joe Rogan, for instance? Why, why did all this happen? And how, how can we fit this into an understandable, readable story? The book is uh, 309 pages, 45 chapters. You can actually read it within about a two to three hour period of time. It's fun. Uh, the chapters, uh, what, what are the, uh, the most... Uh, eye-catching chapter titles is one on Cuomo sexuals. Uh, and that's the story of Andrew and Chris Cuomo. How did they fall from grace? How was this related to the pandemic? Remember, Cuomo had won an Emmy Award for his briefings. It's all in the book. And so I encourage everybody to pick up a copy and, uh, and you know, be sure to give us review and feedback. But it's already a bestseller. And the reason is because there's very few books on COVID and none of them are written as an understandable story. Right. Well, thank you for doing that. And I think this goes to people are looking for the larger story of what actually happened because there were so many pieces of this. And, and it, well, we had John last and we got to the end and I said, you know, is anybody going to be held accountable? And you went into this, uh, you know, your opinion that you thought that 95% of the deaths could have been avoided and we could have avoided millions of hospitalizations. And I think that that is where 
a lot of us have been thinking, okay, this doesn't, this whole thing just seems out of whack and off. And, and so for you to put this all in one place, I think that's probably the biggest, I hear you talk about it, it feels like that's probably going to be the biggest value. Is it, it sets the larger, I don't use the word narrative anymore because the left has hijacked that. It sets, it sets the larger uh, picture of the, of the story that, that's happened, right? It's true. You know, everything in there is cited. It's all part of history. We can't go back. It, it finishes uh, as I'm giving my speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial to a huge crowd uh, about uh, about basically constitutional rights and our liberal democracy. And uh, what John Leake's remar remarks about is, is uh, isn't it interesting in the context of a pandemic and pandemic response, it's a doctor who's advocating for personal autonomy and medical freedom. It's a doctor that's reminding Americans that what's at stake is our constitutional rights and our liberal democracy. That's right. You can have safety or you can have freedom, but you can't necessarily have them both, uh, depending on the situation. Right. So, uh, so what's your life been like in, in recent months? So how about uh, been hearing about some uh, professional and media censorship? So what's going on there? You know, I can tell you um, uh, what I've experienced over time is I've become one of the most frequent media guests in, in the entire world. And uh, the more intense the efforts are to try to censor uh, my analyses and my opinions, uh, the louder my megaphone gets. It's completely backfiring. It's uh, a type of it's a situation where uh, if I had nothing to say uh, or I was completely unimportant, uh, there wouldn't be any more invitations. Uh, in fact, the largest thing I've done, I'm getting ready to go back for the fourth time now, is Daystar. Daystar is the largest Christian broadcasting network in the world by a mile. Uh, they have about 200 million paid subscribers, about three people per uh, subscription watch the show. That's 600 million people per show, and they run reruns. So that's about 1.7 billion people that are reached. I mean, that blows away Joe Rogan or CNN or MSNBC, all the major media combined. And so, so the, uh, the message out to the people is, is very clear on pandemic response. We have a treatable illness. The virus has mutated to become far less virulent. Uh, patients are getting through the illness now. There's some high-risk people that we need to treat. And that our big approach with this mass-mandated program in the United States, largely genetic products, uh, they not only have, have, have not worked, uh, but in fact, they are grossly unsafe. Uh, the World Council for Health, June 11th of 2022, is clear. They did a pharmacovigilance report, and they said, pull them off the market. They're not safe. It's long overdue. Pull them off the market. Yeah, speaking of things that seem to not make sense and uh, still get pushed, so we're now in this phase of vaccinations for uh children and babies. And, and it, uh, you know, before I, before I put, throw my opinion in, what's the science behind this? And, and where, do you, where do you think this, where we should go with this side of it? Now, the CDC told America that in February, 75% of children had already had the illness. They've already had it. Uh, we had a presentation on Monday, June 27th, 2022. And the leader of the School of Public Health in University of Texas at Houston said that 99% of all Texans had already had antibodies now uh, to the uh, SARS-CoV-2. So it's clear, it's basically over with. Uh, the children have already been through it. 
And uh, Dr. Ryan Cole has just presented down in a conference in Brazil, and he announced uh, there hasn't been a single childhood death with the Omicron variant, not a single one. So what we know is the vaccines are not clinically indicated, they're not medically necessary. However, they have been tested in children, and we know from the registrational trials age 12 to 17 and 5 to 11 by Frank and, and, uh, and Waltho, uh, Crotho, uh, respectively, that uh, the children had no clinical benefit from taking one of these, that uh, uh, there was no reductions in hospitalizations and deaths, no reductions in spread or spread to family or teacher, and that the products made patients sicker with fever, body aches, chills, than they would be just getting the illness themselves. So it, it clearly was a bad idea to do this. Now in children age six to uh, uh, five years old, six months to five years old, uh, they had absolutely no impact whatsoever. They tried to use rises of antibodies to claim uh, a, a biologic effect. We know in a paper by House and colleagues in MMWR, December 31st, 2021 issue, uh, they're grossly unsafe in children. Even the families were reporting this through the VSAFE system. The children were becoming incapacitated couldn't go to school afterwards, were very sick. And I was alarmed to see in the data table for uh, children five to 11, actually evidence of heart damage, elevations in cardiac troponin, which the FDA agrees that the products cause heart damage. On my Twitter feed right now is a paper just was released from Berlin uh, using cardiac biopsies showing uh, with a the genetic products, but as well with uh, 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 AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, it happens with uh, the adenoviral products as well, that uh, in fact there's myocarditis, spike protein is found in the heart, and then a really scary feature is what's called giant cells. Giant cells actually predict cardiac death. Uh, so we have a terrible situation uh, where these products are grossly unsafe, uh, they are not needed. In fact, there are now two real-world studies where they were tried ages 5 to 11, and uh, 12 to 17, uh, Dora Bowilla and Fleming Dutra published in JAMA showing no clinical benefit. Uh, vaccine efficacy was far less than 50%. Notice on this podcast how I easily cite the literature and that the government health authorities on any interview fail to cite any literature. They simply presume safe and effective and try to propel this propaganda campaign towards uh, mass administration. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's a terrible, terrible thing. It doesn't, not only does it not hurt, it's it not, not help people, it's hurting people. And it we're it's still getting pushed. And I just, I can't, I can't believe, I just want all parents out there to wake up to this. And, you know, common sense tells us this thing is over. So why would we keep going through this? And I think we're living in an age now, I just keep hearing all these strange deaths and people dying suddenly, and, but the media doesn't cover it. So you know, maybe that's another book that you're going to, you know, part two of your book, uh, a second book for you later on. But, uh, you know, conceding the, the point that the, you know, establishment manipulated the, the at-large population in this country over this last period of time we've been in, what's your opinion of, of, of it happening again? Are we more or less susceptible to being manipulated in the future now that we've gone through this? I think we're more susceptible. What's been uh, diagnosed for the population by Professor Matthias De uh, Desmet in the University of Ghent in Belgium uh, is mass formation, mass formation psychosis. And we believe a large uh, fraction of Americans are in mass formation. 
which is essentially a form of brainwashing through a, a propaganda, a psyop, if you will. There's been a prolonged period of isolation, things taken away from them that they enjoyed, constant free-floating anxiety, and then they've been offered a solution from entities of authority. And they've been told to take it without exception, without exception, not to question it. So even as the FDA has safety warnings on it, saying it causes heart damage, causes blood clots, neurologic damage, people are told without exception, they must take it or lose their job, lose their military career. You know, th these are basically examples of absurdity. No one can take uh, a, a product uh, against their will. No one can have a pill shoved down their throat, a needle put in their arm. And, and, and everyone knows that not everybody can take the same pill or injection, that each, each person is uniquely different. And uh, what we're learning now is tragic but there are mass numbers of deaths. In the uh, World Council for Health Pharmacovigilance report, 40,000 deaths, uh, if we combine the CDC VAERS system, yellow card system, the UGA system, and the WHO VigiSafe system. And that's a gross underestimate. Uh, a paper from Columbia, Pantazatos and Seligman, they estimate through December, there's been potentially 187,000 Americans that have lost their lives. And, and as evidence that they're in mass formation is that there's no outrage. You know, one of the first public deaths was Hank Aaron, uh, you know, retired baseball players in great shape, comes out, has a press release, takes one of these, and he's dead within a couple weeks. And uh, the deaths continue to occur one after another. We've had football players, uh, all kinds of public figures uh, who have died, people in the press, mass number of athletes overseas. There's no outrage. Uh, we know now in a paper by Gill and colleagues from Connecticut, two boys died at home uh, on days three and four after the second shot of the Pfizer Cominati vaccine. They had autopsies. The families were outraged and they were found to have fatal myocarditis by, uh, by examination of the cardiac tissue. It's, it's the craziest thing and it is that mass formation. And uh, you know, you and some others brought, brought that to everybody's attention. And uh, that made a lot of sense. And, and I guess it's going to, you know, it's the question becomes, how long does it go on? At what point do people say, okay, enough, we got to start talking about this? I mean, do you have a sense for that? Because you talk about more people are, are coming out of it, hopefully, but is it years? Well, is it ever, you know? Well, let's talk about proportions. Uh, in the New York Times about a month ago, front page, uh, they had a story uh, based on some estimates that 35% of Americans are not going to take one of these or they're not going to take a booster. Our CDC says that 18% of people have never taken them. That's me. I tell you, the smartest decision I ever made was not to take one of these. Um, yeah, but So 18% are not taking it. 17% have taken one, but they're not taking a booster. That's 35% of the country. That's a third of the country that is basically awake. They have a sense that something is going wrong. Two-thirds of the country doesn't. Probably a middle third is is starting to see things go bad as loved ones die or become injured. But then there's a, a third that are fully entranced in this. They're fully engaged. Uh, one of the best examples is uh, Anderson Cooper was recently interviewing Bill Gates. Anderson took three, Bill Gates took four. They both get the illness. They get through it. Uh, it's a mild illness now for virtually everyone. And um, Anderson Cooper asks Bill Gates for medical advice. You know, not being a doctor, but Gates, uh, 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 you, you know, predictably gives his response uh, because he's a stakeholder in this, and he thinks about it, and he says, "Well, we've already had the illness. 
we should keep taking more more of these. Let's just keep taking more. Remember, each time that someone takes a shot, these are lipid nanoparticles that are loaded with the genetic code for the spike protein, which was manipulated in a biosecurity lab in Wuhan, China. The spike protein itself has been shown to be fatal to the human body. So everybody taking this is taking basically a Russian roulette with Chinese genetic code uh, for this lethal protein. It's just a matter of, did you get enough of the good stuff? Did it get delivered in strategic place? Did you produce enough of it to damage an organ or actually kill the person outright? It's a Russian roulette with each one of these that are given. It's an, it has a dangerous mechanism of action, internally and externally consistent, large signal. Even in randomized trials, there were more people who died than were saved. I tell you, this fulfills all the Bradford Hill criterion for causality. So, uh, you know, at this point in time, again, there's global calls to get these off the market. I think everybody should pay attention. I testified in the Texas Senate on the 27th of June, and I told, listen, the senators, I said, listen, your job is to pay attention. Uh, they asked me, they asked me a tough question. Dr. McCullough, how come the CDC, NIH are not doing anything about it? And, you know, I thought about it, and at the time I didn't have the right words, but the words I'll tell you on this podcast is that they are willfully blind. And I'll tell you, the best example of this is under court order. Pfizer had to release their documents. Pfizer knew about 1,223 deaths that occurred within 90 days of their product. They should have shut it down after about 50 deaths, no more. And the lawyer for the FDA and the representative of the FDA, they didn't want to release that for 55 years. That is prima facie evidence of willful blindness. The FDA did not want America to know that they knew that Pfizer's vaccine was resulting in large numbers of people dying. It's tragic. And we have the situation where Pfizer's not liable. You know, they, they got this, they were able to pump this thing out and they got no liability on the other end of this. And I just want us to go forward and figure out we need to follow the money on this thing. There's just so much, it's just crazy. I, I, can't, I can't believe we're at this place, but we are. People like you are speaking truth, thankfully. Uh, I asked you on the last show, the last question. Um, so today, where we are with things, just what's your advice to somebody who's thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still vulnerable to this thing. It's still floating around a little bit. What should I do? You know, how, what's, what's the procedure I should go through with my doctor? What should I get ready for? I think every patient ought to visit their doctor and ask them if the doctor recommends a vaccine. And if the doctor says yes, the appropriate patient response is, uh, that, that, you know, you don't think they're safe enough for, for yourself, uh, that you're concerned about safety. I think the doctors need to hear patient concern regarding safety, and the doctors need to hear a clear answer on deferral. Now, I respectfully decline these. The doctors need to hear that. Right now, patients aren't saying anything, right. and they're running for the hills, and they need to confront their doctors. I think the first thing, first thing that needs to happen, practical safety, the better than a vaccine is actually using virucidal nasal washes. We now have 12 clinical studies, three randomized trials. Take dilute povidone iodine, dilute hydrogen peroxide, or commercial products like Cofix, Immune Mist, uh, uh, Clear. There's a variety of products. And, uh, and actually use them after one's been out and potentially exposed to individuals. It, they work great. Um, and these nasal washes probably twice a day for prevention for high-risk patients. I go through this with all my patients. During active treatment, we increase them to every four hours. 
they're, they're enormously important. The treatments for the illness are wonderful. Monoclonal antibodies working great. Nutraceuticals and supplements. Hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. We have Paxlovid, molnupiravir. Uh, we have doxycycline, azithromycin, uh, inhaled budesonide, oral prednisone, oral aspirin, anticoagulants. The drugs work in combination, about four to six drugs, and we run them hard for the first few days and we get through illness. Even nursing home patients, we get through the illness very easily. Now, I commented on Fox News this week with Laura Ingram about our uh, director of the National Allergy and Immunology Branch. You know, he's in his 80s. Uh, he took four of these shots. He gets COVID and he takes Paxlovid uh, reportedly alone, which is not the right thing to do. Remember, uh, people who have taken the vaccines, they were excluded from the Paxlovid trial. So he's already not following the science. He's off, he's off the uh, indications from the inclusion criteria in the trial, but he takes it. And then he gets better, and then he rebounds. It gets much worse. That's called Paxlovid rebound. And on the 24th of May, the CDC issued a health advisory. We've actually never had any health advisories on our other drugs we use in the protocol. And in the health advisory, the CDC cited papers from Gupta, Charnes, and, and Carlin showing that in those who are fully vaccinated, Paxlovid doesn't work very well, and patients get a rebound. And so I commented that he should go on to community standard of care. Community standard of care is using hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and other drugs in combination. When I testified in the Texas Senate, I, I you know, re-educated the Texas Senate that the community standard of care can be defined as one doctor in a community who stepped up as in a challenge to treat an illness. And that's common for other illnesses where it takes specialty types of expertise. So a community standard of care has been established. We use drugs in combination. Paxlovid is okay. Uh, it looks like we're finding some weaknesses on rebound. I saw a patient like that in my office yesterday and had to convert to hydroxychloroquine for a prolonged course. But the bottom line is the message is we can treat this illness. Uh, the vaccines are not sufficiently safe. They clearly are ineffective and don't work. And there's not the, they're, not the, uh, they're not worth any type of risk for any more of these injections. People every six months have a chance to get back on track and get their body healthy. I hope they make the right choice. Yeah, me too. And uh, that is such great advice. Everybody to, I want everybody to hear everything that you just said and, and do the common sense thing. And, you know, I want everybody to read your book, too. I definitely am going to read that. I want all of our viewers to read it as well. And uh, I have the sense that you're not letting this go. You're going to keep following this and see where it leads you because the truth uh, needs to be out there uh, because that's the only thing that will eventually set us free. And I appreciate your courage and your intellect and all your boldness. We, uh, we need this more in America nowadays. So thank you for all that you've done. Thank you. All right, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.